How's that sound? Let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. Today is Shabbat Shuvah, the intermediate Sabbath between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And it's a powerful time. It's a significant time where God wants to speak to our hearts. Pray after me, Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So, Shabbat Shuvah, 5778, that is today. And the message is entitled, Our Season of Return. Um, Shabbat Shuvah literally means Sabbath of return. But it is also a play on the phrase Shabbat Teshuvah, Sabbath of repentance. It is the Sabbath that occurs uh, in this season of the uh, Yamim Hanorim, the days of all leading up to Yom Kippur. Shabbat Shuvah has two special haftarot, uh, one dealing with the importance of heartfelt repentance, and that's found in Hoshea 14, verses 2 through 10, which we read today part of that today, or the whole thing today, and one praising God's mercy found in Micha 7, 18 through 20. These are special Haftarot, and I hope you read them this week, and if you didn't, read them in the coming week as we prepare for Yom Kippur. One rabbi said, the rabbis asked in the Tosefta, it's a supplement to the Mishnah, who is a Tsofe, a pilgrim on his way to Jerusalem? The one who sees the city and doesn't stop. Maybe this is a good metaphor for our spiritual lives. This pilgrim has to find out where he is in relationship to where he is supposed to be. In Kepha Aleph 2.11, he writes, and the context is living our lives before the world. He says, beloved, I beg you. Those are strong words. I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We all are pilgrims with the mission of finding out where we are and to navigate to the place where we want to be. Messianic Judaism pushes us to develop an awareness of where we are on this long journey to our spiritual ideal, namely back to God challenge to never stop looking to our spiritual ideal on the way there. You are someplace in your spiritual journey. God has the ideal place that he wants you to be. Some of us are closer to that ideal than others. And during this season of repentance, God wants to uh, us to explore those areas where we need to get closer to God. So it says in Hoshea, chapter 14, Shuvah Yisrael, return Israel to Adonai, your God. For your guilt has made you stumble. Take words with you and return Shuvah Adonai. Say to him, forgive all guilt and accept what is good. We will pay instead of bulls the offerings of our lips. Ashur will not save us. We will not ride on horses and we will no longer call what we have made with our hands our gods. For it is only in you 
that the fatherless can find mercy. Verse 4 says, I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from him. I will be like dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily and strike roots like the Lebanon. His branches will spread out his beauty, be like an olive tree in his fragrance like the Lebanon. Again, they will live in his shade and raise grain. They will blossom like a vine. And its aroma will be like the wine of the Lebanon. Ephraim will say, what have I to do anymore with idols? And I, I answer and affirm him. I am like a fresh green cypress tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Let the wise understand these things. Let the wise understand these things. And let the discerning know them. For the ways of Adonai are straight, and the righteous walk in them. But in them sinners stumble. That's a powerful warning for us, isn't it? And he's looking for us to wrap our heads around what he's trying to say to us during this season. A word to us. Often Jewish people get this time of year, but if you don't come from a Jewish background, it's often to minimize this season. Thinking that, well, you know Yeshua, so all this stuff is just fluff. I beg to differ with you. God, okay, gave these appointed times, knowing full well that Mashiach would come, that he would be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But how many of you know that we still struggle with sin, even as believers? And God has given a window of opportunity Make it a divine window of special grace where he allows us to come and he affords us the grace to take things that perhaps have plagued us as believers and to get over them through sincere and genuine repentance. I really invite you not to think of this as just some type of religious exercise, but as a divine opportunity that the Lord himself grants us every year. I want to highlight a few points from this text to encourage us in this, our season of return. And the first is to admit we have strayed and return to God. Return, Israel, Shuvah Israel, to Adonai your God, for your guilt has made you stumble. Because God is so gracious and gives us so much latitude, we sometimes don't realize how much we have strayed from God. We think that we are just exercising our right to do what we want with our lives and not realizing that it can often lead us far away from God and his ways. A great scriptural example of this is found in the Mishal the parable of the prodigal son. I want to just say this, that I believe that Yeshua spoke this parable around this time of year because it is so in sync with what goes on in this season. And I want to read it starting in verse 11 of Luke. 
Again, Yeshua said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that will be mine. So the father divided the property between them. As soon as he could convert his share into cash, the younger son left home and went off to a distant country where he, see he, where he squandered his money in reckless living. But after he had spent it all, exercising his right and free will to live his life as he wanted, regardless of what his father wanted for him, a severe famine arose throughout that country, and he began to feel the pinch. Verse 15, so he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. So here you have this Jewish man feeding swine. How wrong is that picture? How wrong is it for God's children, the righteousness of God in Messiah, off in worldliness? But even with that said, he longed to fill his stomach with the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him any. We can be like the prodigal son, living our life independent of our heavenly father's wishes. God does not look to control us, nor does he stop us from doing our own thing. Hear that. God doesn't look to control us. And he doesn't stop us from doing our own thing, setting our priorities or living lives far away from his presence. He allows us to do that if we wish. Notice the father in the parable doesn't even hesitate. The son asks for it, he gives it to him. He says, go, you have every right because I created you with a free will to do what you wish. If you want to live far away from the father's presence, if you want to do your own thing, if you want to spoil your life, you have every right to do that. It's not the father's wish, but it's our right to do it. And God lets us. With that said, God never takes his eye off of us, just like he didn't take his eye off the sun. But he waits and allows us to realize on our own what our own decisions have produced in our lives. What it produced in the prodigal son is he realized that things weren't going well because of the decisions he made. He realized that his father's servants had it better than him. This is at the heart of Shabbat Shuvah and Teshuvah for that matter. We come to understand that we have strayed from God and we are guilty for we did it using our own free will. Just like Hoshea writes, for your guilt has made you stumble. This is a good moment to have, by the way. I know people hear a message about repentance and everyone's toes curl up. I want you to relax, let your toes uncurl and allow the spirit of God to speak to your heart. Repentance is God's heart of love to his people. Hoshea writes, for your guilt has made you stumble. This is our opportunity. When we see our spiritual poverty, 
And when we see our spiritual poverty, the journey home can begin. Shuvah, that's why it's called Shabbat Shuvah, the Sabbath of return. That we begin to return back to that state we were before we strayed from him. Friends, I've been in the Lord many, many, many years. And I know that I know that I know there is not a single one of us who does not stray from the Lord. And we have seasons when we're close and right and seasons where we drift. This is an opportunity for us to examine ourselves and say, have I drifted from the Lord in any way? Have I put distance between me and the Lord? Am I as close to the Lord today as I was was at the pinnacle of my walk with him? It's a good question. In verse 16 of that Michel, he says, he longed to fill his stomach with the carob pods the pigs were eating. But he couldn't even get those. The pods of the carob tree are sometimes described as food for the poor in rabbinic literature. The Michel illustrates graphically the great poverty of the young man. In fact, it has been noted in later Jewish literature, the rabbis made a play on the words, the Hebrew terms for sword, karev, charev, in Isaiah 121, and the carib pod, charov, the food of the poor. And when times are prosperous, it is difficult for people to remember God. But when they are in need and want food and they're hungry, they tend to repent and seek him. Isn't that funny? Our human condition. When the people are desperate, they will seek to eat carob to survive. Well, this may be deduced from the Bible text. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword or eat carob. Rabbi Acha said Israel needs carob or poverty to be forced to repentance. Only when Israel is reduced to such a state of poverty, only then will they be caused to eat carob. And only then will they repent of their evil ways. When they see that they are spiritually poor. God has a way of showing us our spiritual condition. Perhaps you see yourself as a spiritual giant. I could chuckle at that. (laughs) Because if you were a spiritual giant, trust me, you wouldn't see yourself as a spiritual giant. God has a way of showing us our absolute dependency upon him. When the son comes to his senses, he has a revelation of his wrong. He starts his journey home to his father and his journey begins in his heart. 
One writer said, crucial for proper understanding is the expression, he came to himself. The Greek words are the equivalent to the Hebrew phrase, chesar bo. In Hebrew and Aramaic, such terminology was often used to describe repentance. He came to himself. He said, I'm going to turn from where I am and head in the other direction. I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing and I'm going to go back to the Father. I'm going to go back to my Father's house. I'm going to change my direction. In the same way that a loving father will receive a rebellious child who returns home, God in his mercy will receive the one who has done wrong. We sang that song today, Lord have mercy. Friends, we are in need of God's mercy. There is a lost and dying world that is in need, desperate need of the mercy of God. And God longs to extend that mercy. The Hebrew phrase, chazer bo, is the exact equivalent to the parables Greek. And it means that the young man repents of his wrong and is ready to come home. And God wants to say that to you today. In the areas of your life, that perhaps you have let get lax. In that area of your life where you're not as close to God as you once used to be. You used to pray and seek the face of God, but now, not so much. You've allowed life to get in the way. You used to be fervent in worship, but now, you know, I heard all those songs before. Not so much. Friends, that's not a condition of hearing a song over and over. It's a condition of our heart. And in those areas where we've been lax, we need to turn and say, God, I'm coming back to where I need to be. The son came to his senses and he said, any number of my father's hired workers have food to spare and here I am starving to death. You know, it's a funny thing about the people of God. We often are spiritually deprived of sustenance, yet we continue in our way. We continue living our life like the world lives it. We sprinkle in a little God and we wonder why things aren't what they're supposed to be. And when we read the God, we see such a, a chasm between what life in the word says it should be and our own lives. Well, let me tell you what the difference is. Your proximity to the creator. Have you strayed? If you've strayed, Hashem wants you to come to your senses. You know, we could overlook it and just say, well, this is just where I am in life. Yeah, I don't pray as much anymore. Yeah, I don't really read the word as much anymore. Yeah, yeah, I'm not that consistent being together with the community of faith. Yes, yeah, we could excuse it away or we could say, God, I need to return. God, the reason I'm where I'm at isn't because they changed in my job or because this, that, and the other thing. It's because I have turned from you. Friends, when we are walking closely with the Lord, things go well. And even when they don't go well, we are well through those things. 
But when we're always under it and can never walk in victory, it's a good indication that we have strayed from the living God. Shabbat Shuvah is an opportunity that God gives us because he loves us. Because he wants us. The father wasn't looking to say, you know what? I mean, listen, if he was an earthly father, worldly father, he'd be like, oh, hey, I see that, that son of mine coming. Wait till he gets here. <laughs> Wait till he gets here. I'm going to show him. Oh. <laughs> so you want to do your own thing, huh? Well, let me tell you what's going to happen to you, young man. I'm going to put you in the back paddock. And you're going to be doing the worst jobs that you could imagine. I'll teach him, right? If he was an earthly, worldly father. But that's not what we see. Au contraire. We see a father that is so happy to see his son return that he blesses him above and beyond measure. See, God isn't giving us this season so he could say, I told you so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to show you that you could stray from me. No, he does it because he does love us like crazy. And he wants us to experience his love. Hear this. To realize one's spiritual poverty before God is a gift. It's a gift. And when heated, it can jumpstart our lives towards spiritual renewal. Friends, listen. Usually this is a symptom of the young. When you're young, you don't want anything to be wrong with you. Oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's funny. I see older believers do similar things. Oh, no, 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 no. I know, I know, I know, no. Like if you're giving them the correction. No, I know, I know, I know. I say to myself, well, if you knew, how come you did it? You know, it's okay to say, yeah, I got it wrong. Because once you realize you got it wrong, like the son in the Mishal, then I could turn and get it right. And that's where we find the blessings of God. And once repentance, friends, I, all I could say this, there's repentance that comes from our head. And we say, God, I'm sorry. And that type of repentance is worthless. Absolutely worthless. There's a repentance that comes from the kishkes, from the depths of your heart where you, when you think about what you've done, it grieves your heart. And you say, God, God, I have strayed from your ways. God, have mercy on me. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, I will go back. Help me. And it's heartfelt and it's genuine. When that takes place in our kishkes, man, something happens that breaks off the chains and the shackles. What was keeping that son there? His mindset, pride, his own free will. He wanted to do it his way. But soon as he repented, all those things were broken. And now he's willing to humble himself and go back to his father. He's willing to take a position even as a servant. So once repentance takes place in the heart, it then needs to be articulated through the mouth. Hoshea writes, take words with you and return to Adonai. 
say to him, just like he said, I will say to the father, my father, remember? Say to him, forgive all guilt and accept what is good. We will pay instead of bulls, offerings of our lips. I'm going to go to my father and I find believers. I always find it amazing. What is it about us that we can't say I'm sorry? Oh man, we can't say, we, it gets caught in the crawl. We find it difficult to go to another human being and say, I'm sorry. It's like, even amongst our own family members, it gets caught in our craw, like we can't get it out. There's something about taking words with you and going to God or going to another human being and saying, Carol, I am sorry that I wronged you. Please forgive me. That's something that doesn't come easy. And so God says, repent and now return taking words with you. And in our Mishal, it says in verse 18 of Luke, I'm going to get up and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned. I've done it. Against heaven and against you. Friends, realize that if there is in your life anything that has caused you to stray from God, it's not righteousness. It's sin. And to go back to God, this is what this season is about, to go back to God and say, Father, I have sinned. Not, Father, my, fa- my wife made me sin. Father, if it wasn't for those kids driving me crazy, I sinned. It's saying, Father, no, I have sinned, taking responsibility for me. I've sinned. Forgive me. I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back to his father. It's clear that this was a choice of his will. As he said, I'm going to get up and go back. He had decided, and this is precisely what we must do. During Shabbat Shuvah and during this 10 days of the Yamim Hanorim, the days of all, we choose to go before God. And say, God, I've strayed from you. Father, I have sinned. Some of us get caught up in kooky things that take us away from God. I always marvel at a rabbi that people could have distrust toward the rabbi. Like, is that, is that guy legit? Is he really legit? You know, all the things he says. Which I would invite you to come spend time with us and our family. Yeah, we're legit. We are what we say we are. Not perfect, but we are what we say we are. But they'll be like that toward the rabbi. Some kooky person comes in with all kooky doctrine, and all of a sudden people are all ears. Soaking it up. Eager to listen. Why is that? It's just the nature of man. And this son was kind of like that. Yeah, let me go see if I could find it in another country. Because I can't really find it home with dad. Yet dad 
was where it was at, wasn't it? And we have to decide that we're going to choose to follow God in his ways. That we're going to return on Yom Kippur, we're going to recite Vidui and the Alchet. Remember those? That Alchet prayer covers so many things. And what is that? It's an opportunity for us to be prompted for God to say, did you wrong your fellow man? Did you hate your brother in your heart? Did you look at someone across the way and think, oh, man. Oh, that one. Bristle up. Guess what? That's sin. (laughs) And it's an opportunity to get right. And these prompt us to take words and say, God, forgive me. For prayers to be effective, we must be like the prodigal son, come to our senses. In our hearts, come to a place of genuine repentance over our sin, whatever it may be. We might say to ourselves, I love Yeshua, I'm okay, I don't sin. But is there anything that has put distance between you and God? Something that has lessened your spiritual fervor, diminished your daily devotions, or interrupted your weekly attendance to the community of faith? You know what we get in a messianic synagogue? It's the funniest thing. Often you get people who um, either they're Jewish or they're non-Jewish. They, they come to a messianic setting now. Everything's new. And they'll get off on the wrong thing. Friends, we're Jewish just because we're Jewish. I didn't make myself Jewish. God made me Jewish. And we, this is an expression of who we are. Just like if you went to a Latino congregation, that's who they are. This is who we are. But people come in, and instead of, if you notice, we emphasize Yeshua here. Right? Because as a Jewish believer, Yeshua is the main thing. Not my Jewishness. My Jewishness is just who I am. This is just the way we express our faith. But often people get caught up in the Jewishness. And they'll go do... all the the, the quote-unquote Jewish things and they leave the main thing and stray from the main thing who is Yeshua, the Mashiach of Israel and the Savior of the world. Let it be in this house. Yeshua is the main thing. I'm Jewish and a Jewish believer in the Jewish Messiah, Baruch Hashem. I love my Jewish tradition. Trust me. My, my wife was mad at me because after Rosh Hashanah dinner, I happened to find a few extra matzo balls. And I was really done eating, trust me. But after we packed up in those delicious matzo balls, and that delicious soup was sitting and calling me, I went to the drawer, got the spoon, the weapon of choice, and I ate the remaining matzo balls. <laughs> and the next day, my wife was going to use those matzo balls. And she said, yeah, I have matzo balls for dinner. I said, well. <laughs> you don't really have those matzo balls for dinner. Those matzo balls found their way into the rabbi's digestive tract. And they were delicious. And so I take words with you, my wife. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
But that's just our culture. Yes, granted, it's a God-given culture, but it's a culture. Your shoe is the main thing. And don't let anything, not even our Jewish culture, allow you to stray. Listen, I know Messianic Jews who get off into Talmud study. What are you studying Talmud for? What business do we have studying Talmud? Why do I need an unbelieving, unsaved rabbi to tell me what? What's he going to tell me? He's going to show me the way to Yeshua that he doesn't know, that he hasn't seen. He's blinded, and he's going to teach me what exactly? Yeah, he can show me tradition, and I have my own tradition. You hear what I'm saying? Got to be careful. But listen, easily we stray from the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. For that, we need to repent. There is one way. Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There's no side way. You're not going to stand before God and say, Hey, God, I really got into Jewish things. Am I good? He's going to look at you and say, He's not going to be impressed, that's for sure. Because he himself is Jewish. He's going to be impressed with one thing. Did you receive the blood of atonement of his son? Did you accept his son? He sees that, you're going to impress him like crazy. Let me give you the last thing real quick. This is a Rabbi Michael real quick. Number two, the mercy of God. This type of honesty before God will always lead. Listen, what I just said is be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. And what that leads to, it leads to the mercy of God. Lord, have mercy. We sang it today. God, I tell you what, if I can't tell you that every single day I pray, I pray for God's mercy. I need his mercy every single day. My family needs mercy. I cry out for mercy on your behalf because I know your situations. I know what's going on in your life, who's sick, who's struggling, who needs. God, have mercy on your people. God, come through by your great compassion. God, not because we deserve it, but because of your mercy, because of your son. God, have mercy. For it is only in you that the fatherless can find mercy. I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from him. That's the mercy of God. We as believers often say that God hates sin but loves the sinner. This verse shows us exactly that. It says that God's... Anger has turned from him. Why? Because he repented and disassociated with his sinful ways. God hates sin. And why does he hate sin? Because it is destructive in nature. And its ill effects on humankind are devastating. Everything you see in the news today that you say, oh my gosh, another bombing, another murder, is all the result of sin. Sin is a cancer to the human soul. God hates sin because of what it does to you and to me. He loves us. He wants us free and blessed, but man, sin is one bad pill. So as soon as we repent and let go of sin, God's mercy comes rushing in like a mighty flood. And it says, I will love them freely. 
God in his holiness cannot look upon sin. That's why sin is a bad thing. It gets us, it disconnects us from God. God's so holy that he can't even look at sin. And if we have sin in our life, he has to turn from us, just like he had to turn from Mashiach on the tree. If we remain in sin, his gaze cannot be upon us. But as soon as we turn God's shuva, as soon as we turn shuva, turn, God's love and favor come rushing to us. And we see this too illustrated in the, in the Michelle, the prodigal son, verse 20. So he got up and started back to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity. And he ran, didn't walk didn't wait for him to come. The father ran to the son. He was so stoked to get to that son and bless him. He saw his heart turn that he came back, that he was humbling himself. The father ran out to that son. And he threw his arms around him and kissed him warmly. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the slaves, quick, bring out the robe, the best one, and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. The ring was his authority restored back that now the son was back and he had the signet and he could operate just like the father on the estate. Give him the ring, put it back on his finger. He's back into right standing. For you folks who think that your life, because you had some bad things and had some you know, sin in your life, that you're ever tainted from that sin, that is not true. Once he forgives you, he gives you full authority in the kingdom of God. Just like here in this Mishal. And he puts the ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And he said, bring the calf that has been fattened up and kill it. Let's eat and have a celebration. For the son of mine was dead, but now he's alive again. Alive again. He's alive again. Sin kills. Repentance brings life. I tell you what, the devil works so hard to make repentance an evil word. He works so hard for congregations to hear repentance and say, ah. Repentance makes us alive. It blesses us. He was lost, but now he has been found, and they begin celebrating. Wow. This is the heart of God toward all who return to him. And Adonai is looking to pour out mercy and give us the very best that the kingdom has to offer. He wants to kill the fattened calf on our behalf and bless us. It says, again, they will live in his shade and raise grain They will blossom like a vine. Go home and Google the lamb song, Comfort Ye My People. It's right from Hoshea 14. And listen to it. It's a love song from God to the heart of his people. And its aroma will be like the wine of the Lebanon. God's desire for each of us is to blossom. We can only blossom when we are attached to the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. 
It says in Tehillim 73, Whom do I have in heaven but you? And with you I lack nothing. Hear that. With you, with God, I lack nothing on earth. If you have lack in your life, if you feel a sense of lack, get close to God. My mind and body may fail, but God is the rock for my mind and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who adulterously leave you. But for me, listen to this, sear this on your heart. But for me, the nearness of God is my good. That should be written on any place you do daily devotions. The nearness of my God is my good. I have made Adonai Elohim my refuge so that I can tell of all your works. Wow, the nearness of God. The end goal of Shabbat Shuvah is just that that the nearness of God would be our good. That God's people would be near to him because that's where we were created to be planted and that's where we will blossom. I want to read Micha 7 that says, Who is a God like you? Pardoning sin and overlooking the crimes of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in grace. Say he delights in grace. I'll tell you what, what a lie of hell. The enemy is always trying to remind us of past sin, always. Always. Always reminding us, hey, remember when you did this to your husband, to your wife? Remember when you were like that to the kids? Oh, you're such a hypocrite. Oh, you're so soiled. You're so dirty. That is not what God said. No, not at all. That's the accuser of the brethren. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in grace. He will again have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. You will throw all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will show truth to Yaakov and grace to Avraham as you have sworn to our ancestors since days long ago. Don't you love that phrase, he delights in grace? Don't worry, I'm not doing a Joseph Prince on you. He delights in grace. He delights in grace. He delights in grace. That Jesus God. Not to be judgmental, but to be gracious. We're judgmental, aren't we? We like to be judgmental. God likes to delight in grace. funny what we have is we have the father giving and giving he gives and gives he gives the inheritance to us and he blesses with abundance and the father is getting poorer and poorer right in the story of the of the prodigal son the father's getting poorer and poorer he's given out his inheritance left right and center and the son's getting richer and richer is that not the heart of god it says in 2 Corinthians, for you know how generous our Lord Yeshua the Messiah was. For your sakes he impoverished himself, even though he was rich, so that he might make you rich by means of his poverty. He became poor so you could be rich. Isn't that something? 
I close with this. The whole process of teshuvah, atonement and forgiveness relies on this. Someone wrote this. We stand in the present, conscious of all that has happened before us. Hear this. Close your eyes and listen. Our personal and group histories. From that vantage point, we envision an unrealized future. Who do we want to become? What kind of person? What kind of community? What kind of society? We then take the values embedded in that vision of who we want to become and examine our past for those moments and actions that violate those values and that block us from that envisioned future. From that yet unrealized potential. But we do not stop there. We go back to the past and we get right by those moments. And we get right by all that we have wronged. And we say, God, forgive us of those things that are keeping us from our envisioned future. That is the essence of Teshuvah. We have a living present and we must seize the day. Today is the day. And undertake the process of personal renewal. We cannot dwell in the past, nor can we get lost in a future yet to come. Both of those will guide us, but we must be here and now. And we must take the crucial step today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Now is the time. That's what the Burkhadashah says. Today is the day. And I want to ask you, today, you know, we don't know that the Lord might come today. Mashiach might return today. He might come tomorrow. He might come this Sukkot. Are you ready to meet him? Do you know that you know that you know if you were to stand in front of the Messiah in all his glory, that he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your father. Would you know it? What I'm really saying, do you know that you're right with God? Here's the good news. You can know it today. You can know it today. How do you do it? You just simply say, father, just like the prodigal, I have sinned. And I'm not worthy. Forgive me. Is that so hard to say to a loving God who wants to bless you? To say, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. I have fallen short. I've blown it. I haven't been all that I could be. I've strayed from you. I've allowed my love to wane. I lost my first love. I've got enthralled with other things other than your son. Father, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Guess what? He will. How do you know it, Rabbi? We just saw it all throughout the scriptures. He wants to have mercy. If you've not done that, or if you're in need of that, pray this prayer with me. Avinu Malkinu. Our Father, our King. Father, have mercy on me. I have sinned. I have fallen short. I have strayed from your ways. I've let my first love wane. 
But God, I'm coming to back. I'm returning to you today. Have mercy on me. Have compassion. I choose today to accept and receive the atonement of your son. I desire to be in right standing with you. Receive me back in Yeshua's name. Friends, that's all it takes. True repentance of the heart and take words with you. We just read it. If you've done that, something will change in your heart of hearts. And God will renew and refresh you and bless you. So today, we admit where we have strayed. We return to God on the Shabbat Shuvah. We can be confident that God's over-the-top mercy and forgiveness will be poured forth toward us. So today, let it be a day that you move and keep moving in the direction of spiritual renewal. That as we go through these 10 days of awe, as we approach Yom Kippur, we could do it with confidence of heart that I've turned, this is what it's for, I've turned my life around in one or two areas, or maybe three areas, or maybe ten areas, it doesn't matter. I've turned my life around, and I'm going in a new direction, a direction that's taken me closer to God. And this year is going to be such a wonderful, blessed, powerful year, spiritually and otherwise, because of the decisions I've made today in Yeshua's name. From me and my family, we say, L'shana tova, May you be inscribed for a good new year in the book of life and in Yeshua HaMashiach. Stand to your feet. Father, I thank you for your people. God, these are the sheep of your pasture, the ones you love, the ones you came, died, and bled for their lives. You sent your son, Lord, because you loved your people so much. Father, I pray that you would bless them exceedingly, abundantly, above all that they ask or imagine. Father, we speak healing over every body, provision over every need. Father, we speak spiritual blessing and renewal over every life, God. Father, we speak your great mercy and compassion over your flock, God. Father, we pray, Lord God, Lord, that you would sow, Lord, bless your people in this new year. God, in every way that they would abound in fruitfulness for your kingdom and for your glory. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his very face upon you, and grant you the shalom of heaven. Father, we say, Lord, let your sweet shalom rest on your people. Hashem Yeshua. Amen. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Shabbat shalom.